Now on KPAM 860, the marriage team is at your service. We've only just begun to live White lakes and promises A kiss for luck and we're on our way Few things are more complicated than getting relationships right. And here are marriage coaches Al and Autumn Ray to empower you for a winning marriage. We're so glad you joined us for Marriage Team this afternoon. I'm Coach Autumn. I'm here with my teammate and husband. Coach Allen. Coach Al. And we have some really special guests for you here this afternoon. We thought you might like to hear from some people who have some real winning marriages. You know, uh, kind of our motto is empowering couples for winning marriages. We have two special guests here with us. We're going to talk about three winning marriages. Now, I bet you're sitting back there saying, how on earth could two people have three winning marriages? Well, stick around, and you're going to hear their story. Actually, this is kind of a real fun time for me today. My mom and her husband, Mert, her second husband, Mert, are visiting us from Alabama. And we asked them if they'd like to be on the show today to tell you folks about their marriages and how successful they were. And we really had a good time yesterday as we just talked about the show and sort of reminisced and just talked about marriage in general. And uh, they're going to be sharing much of what we talked about yesterday. We spent a couple, three hours uh, on the deck talking about this. It was quite enlightening. So I think the first thing we're going to start with is have them introduce themselves. You know, I, I did want to let you know that I don't want you to get the names mixed up. We tend to refer to Mert as Mert because his name is Merton. My mom sometimes refers to him as Jake. So we don't want you to get confused if you hear some people calling Mert Mert and some people calling him Jake. He's one and the same. So, Mom, why don't you begin by telling us a little bit about you? Well, my name is Mary Lois, and I was the youngest of eight children. So I had many instructors as life went along, and I learned quite a lot just by watching and listening to them. I So, of course, most of us in our family started school early in the second or third grade because we all learned from each other. My mother was a nurse. After my father passed away, she went back to that industry. And I, too, find happiness in helping others. We lived in the country during the Great Depression that everyone is hearing about at the present time. I was born in 1924, went to a country two-room school. And when it came time for high school, I enrolled in the uh, local high school, which was 10 miles away and no school buses, but it was a big high school. So this is one of those schools where you walked, you know, 10 miles in the snow up the hill and down the hill. Not quite. <laughs> My aunt taught in um, another high school nearby, the one that I attended, so, you know, she would drop my sisters and myself off at our high school, and she went on to hers. Why were there two different high schools within eight miles of each other? Because one was better than the other. Actually, I grew up in New York State, where one was inclined to graduate from high school with a uh, certification from the state of Albany that all four years had been completed to the state's satisfaction. And since most of my family, all of us, actually did attend uh, school following high school, we all preferred that certification that we had completed as we referred to it in New York State, the Regents mm-hmm. exam. Mm-hmm. 
I did attend high school for a year. The war came along, and um, after high school, after the war, actually, I completed my college education and uh, earned three masters and an ed specialist degree and a doctorate in early childhood after the age of 40. Yeah, so there was a lot of school in your life. Well, yes, and at that time, many young mothers were going back to school. Often they are, even today, but from the 60s through the 90s, if one was attending college at age 40, um, the rest of the students were rather surprised, or even your neighbors were surprised that you were involving yourself with further education, but it soon became the thing to do. Mm-hmm. And during the war, uh, I worked in war factories uh, for three years and bought bonds, of course, which supported the cost of the war. So we didn't run into debt as we are now to do a little political stuff. <laughs> I was a governess in New York City and had interesting experiences there with uh, little toddlers. And I have always enjoyed any job I had anyhow. Um, from about age 10, we would all begin working on our great big fruit farm in western New York State. And from 10 till you were 17 or ready to go off to college, that's what you did in the summer to earn money. I married in 1947 after World War II. And my husband and I had three children, two boys and a girl. And that was me. That's right. You were in between the two boys, which you didn't always enjoy, but you were a big help to me and the love of our life. Uh, We lived when you were a baby, actually, and your brother was only a year and a half. My husband and I lived on $2,500 a year, uh, which is difficult for people nowadays to imagine, I'm sure. It just required following a budget because, of course, uh, material things weren't important to us. It was the idea of being together, and the war was over, and it had been so long that everyone and all of our friends were happy just to be together. My husband passed away after we'd been married 56 years. Um, he had been a um, heavy smoker and um, had given it up the last 30 years of his life. But um, that earlier interest in smoking cigarettes and almost anything that came by certainly didn't do his health any good. I was devastated, of course, after he passed away, but fortunately, I met my present husband, Merton, 14 months later in church, and so we have been married six years, happily married the last six years. Very, very good. Well, Mert, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born in uh, Highland Park, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit. During the heart of the Depression, and my father, who had five homes under construction, lost everything. Uh, not an unusual story, and we all moved 60 miles away to a 20-acre sand and pine patch, which my father thought he would become a farmer on, but it really didn't succeed very well. I graduated from uh, high school in a small town in 1943. We had 21 students in the class. Um, July 1st, 1943, I was 18 years old in June. I joined the Navy. Best thing that ever happened to me. And uh, so I'm a combat veteran of World War II, but I got an excellent technical education from the Navy and radio. And later on, I used it to good advantage for auxiliary income while going to college. Because in those days, you required an engineer on the site when you were transmitting. 
So and, you feel real comfortable here in this radio studio today. Huh? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's it's uh, fantastic. Beautiful. Probably, Beautiful pro- place. Probably a little bit different than the studios you were in back then. Considerably different. <laughs> Later on, I did some uh, some uh, radio work with, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the hillbilly pl- guitar but, player. <laughs> Anyhow, that's beside the point. <laughs> it was interesting experience. Used the GI Bill to uh, finish my college education. Incidentally, the Navy training was so uh, thorough that you got 18 hours credit, college credit, in electrical engineering programs. So I graduated finally from a uh, liberal arts college with a degree in physics and mathematics. And I also was a uh, pre-ministerial student. That was uh, from longtime interest in uh, religious things and my mother's abiding interest in me. She, my mother was an angel. And we had uh, to move many times, my wife and I, whom I married in 1945, and we had five boys. But we moved to Milwaukee and then back to Michigan, and I was married to her for 57 years. Wow. 57 wonderful, beautiful years, except for the very tragic end. We had five boys, still have five boys, who are all uh, useful, contributing citizens. And I lost my wife in, uh, seven years ago from a progressive type of le- leukemia. She refused to take chemotherapy. But one of the interesting things that happened in our marriage was moving back from Milwaukee with five boys, moving into a strange house. I could see that my wife was distressed about something, and we had a conversation, and I discovered that what had happened was that her mother had had a terrible experience with change of life, and so she was worried about change of life. Well, she had accumulated 18 hours of college training in Wisconsin, and I said, why don't you go to school? Well, a few years later, she had a master's degree and was teaching, and I never heard any more about change of life. Well, it sounds like you certainly were a great support. And in Marriage Team, we call that being a really great teammate, Mert. And we're so happy to have you as part of our family. I know that it was very sad to lose Doris, but then you came along into our lives. And so I think there might have been a great plan from someone other than us who had that in mind. So we're happy to have you married to my mom and part of our family now. Well, you know, as I was listening to uh, mom and Mert talk, um, the total, I think, was 56 years that mom was married. Uh, and Mert, you were married 57 years. 57, you're right. And you've been together for six. So my math says, that, says that's 119 years of marriage experience. Uh, that's that's quite a bit of experience talking here. Now you can see why we wanted them on our show today. How many of us can talk to people who have 119 years of terrific marriage experience. We're going to be have to go to a break here, but when we come back, we will be talking more about their experience and uh, life together. Now more of the marriage team coaches Al and Autumn Ray on KPAM 860. Welcome back to Marriage Team. I'm Coach Al, and we're here with some special guests in the audience, uh, my mother-in-law, Mom, and Mert, her second husband. And as we went to break, we were talking to them about uh, their stories. Before we get back to their stories, though, I would like to just mention that we have a coach training coming up in October. And in the coach training, we train Christian couples to be marriage coaches. It's 24 hours of training. Uh, Couples that complete the training have a wonderful experience. 
and fully 80% of them go on to coach another couple and find it to be very rewarding. So if you'd like more information about the coach training, you can give us a call at 360-450-6042. That's 360-450-6042. Or check us out at the website, marriageteam.org. That's marriageteam, all one word, dot org. So we're back with Mom and Mert. And, you know, is is I'm sitting here thinking there are many couples and mentioned that you grew up, both of you grew up during the Depression and right after the war when there was a lot of scarcity of stuff and, and wages were really low coming back out from the war. But you must have struggled with a lot of, uh, a lot of issues with young families and growing up in those times. And, you know, we find a lot of families today are having the same kind of issues with the economy and the recession. Uh, what were some of the, the issues that you struggled with uh, in your first marriage or even as you come together in a new marriage after all those years? Mom, why don't you go first? Uh, well, uh, the first marriage biggest challenge was adjusting to the type of life that my husband had lived. Uh, he was the oldest of three in his family, and I was the youngest of eight. And my husband, having been in the service for almost five years, uh, wanted to focus on a career and be wealthy. And I found out as we went along, mostly to please his father. And I wanted nothing more than to raise a family and have a happy household, the kind I had been raised in. And we did fall madly in love, really. And later realized, I realized that my husband couldn't read my mind. And he never did realize that he couldn't read mine. So we did have some struggles there. Um, nothing terribly serious. The, I think we had been married maybe two months when I couldn't find the words to tell him how angry I was about some simple little thing. So I reached out and pulled down all his neckties and threw them on the floor. Of course, being again, being the youngest of eight, I wouldn't throw anything at anybody, but I made my point. You, you know, um, Mom, if I might just interject there, that reminds me of a story that happened when my mother was frustrated with my dad. And I was just about five years old, and he was reading the paper, and she was talking to him and wasn't paying attention. And she got a match, and she lit the bottom of the paper. <laughs> and as he sat in his chair, the paper, the, just the fire went up. I thought the house was going to burn down. <laughs> it was terribly traumatic. I really like just throwing the ties on the floor. I think it's much safer. <laughs> Well, it was, except that I, too, had to pick them up and hang them where they belonged. Anyhow, and the other challenge, of course, was that not just learning to understand each other in our ways, but also uh, we did see much more of his family than mine, and that was a huge adjustment for me because my family lived several uh, states away, and everyone uh, listened to my father-in-law's opinion about everything and tried constantly to please him. And since my father had passed away when I was nine, and that kind of thing just didn't happen, we had no domineering figure in our family. We all shared time and experiences together, verbally and, and helpfully in other ways, too. Um, my husband soon recognized that my family discussed issues and respected each other's decisions, and and he felt comfortable and learned to talk to them and to me more than he'd ever been able to talk to his own family. And that really was a marvelous change for him to accept. And he always admitted he was very happy to have joined my family. So then we became a team all on our own and set our own goals. And his father's goals weren't 
certainly important to either one of us after that. We really were a team going on. You know, you mentioned the two different cultures. I mean, hugely different. Uh, youngest of eight, firstborn, and the different styles. Uh, your father-in-law, you didn't mention it, but I know he was German and, you know, very uh, autocratic, and yours was very egalitarian. Everybody worked together. Those are huge cultural differences. And in the the parlance that we use, I mean, you guys really did have very different playbooks. I mean, it was really amazing how you, you worked together in order to resolve uh, those differences. Well, thank you. We tried, and I think your wife has had a happy childhood. I know if I ever tried to replicate mine, it really took a lot of work because as I've gotten older, I've realized that other families did not have the wonderful childhood that I did. I never felt unloved or was hungry for food or anything. There was always something on the table, depression or not. Right. What a blessing. And really important. True. And I know it's really important to our listeners out there to hear, too, because that's what the kind of legacy that all of us want to leave for our kids. And Alan and I are very fortunate, you know, that we have had that kind of a legacy. And Mert shared one of his challenges already about the time when his wife was extremely depressed. And I was I'm really proud of Mert and the fact that he recognized that and suggested that she go back to school. And can you imagine with five boys sending his wife back to school and making sure that everybody got where they wanted, where they needed to get and everything was taken care of. So that was just a, a great example of a challenge that was handled by a team. Right. A great teammate. And we're wondering now, some folks out there are probably saying, hmm, so these challenges came up and sometimes you were, you know, able to talk things out and, and get on the same team. But mom, if you could just choose one way that you handled your challenges, what, what would you tell people? Prayer, the same as I do today. <laughs> I can remember that. She has to do a lot of praying. <laughs> Even now, after you <laughs> married the second time around, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Mert, if you were to tell people or our listeners, you know, what do you think the best way to handle challenges is? I think the best way to handle challenges, this, this is with respect to five boys also, is to talk things out. Mm-hmm. I never hit my boys, but we had some mighty, mighty strong talks. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my wife about things, very, very personal things. We were told that we would never have any children. And imagine what happens with five boys. Yeah. <laughs> whoever told shock. you that Whoever told shock. you that was wrong. He <laughs> really was wrong. It was a doctor also. Yeah. <laughs> but perseverance and love and affection and kindness and talking things out, I think, are the most important. Yes. Well, those are all things that we've seen exhibited in you in the in the six years that we've known you, Mert. So we well, know. I should interject here that one of the dearest things about him is that if we have a misunderstanding, short and few they might be, because after all, we both kind of went into this marriage like it was just over the doorstep and into another life, but no big deal, except that we would be together. But if we have any little disruption, he always says to me, now, Take my hand. Here it is. Hold my hand. And then he'll kiss my hand and he'll he'll take all the blame. He'll say, I shouldn't be mean to you. I'll give you a hug. Mm. Mm. Boy, there's a boy, there's a message in there for all of us. Just just think the power of uh, of assuming all the responsibility 
and uh, effectively apologizing and holding that out. It certainly makes it easier to come back and, as we say, to get back in the game and to uh, uh, get back into relationship. That's a that's a wonderful gift that you have there, Mert. So, well, gifts are accepted. Yeah, lifelong experience. Right, I've learned to do that. So, when you had challenges, did you ever go to anybody else to talk out your challenges uh, that you were having? Not really. And you, Mert? No, no, I can't. Uh, uh, her parents were. Uh, if you've ever seen the uh, picture of the the <laughs> farmer standing with a pitchfork and his farm wife standing beside him. I knew this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> they were very, very old-fashioned. As a matter of fact, they ran away and got married in 1905 and against the family's will. And uh, they were not the kind of people who, their relationship was very close, but with other people was very distant. Yeah. And so, so we never had that resource. So what the yeah. two of you just described is not so very different than what's going on nowadays in people's relationships. They really don't have anybody they can go to and talk about their relationships with. Yeah, often that's the case. I mean, families are fragmented and they move around a lot, so they don't they don't develop necessarily those close relationships, and it makes it um, you know hard to get advice and counsel from people that you really trust and respect. That's one of the things that I think Autumn that really helped helped us to uh, with the marriage coaching is realizing that we had friends that were were struggling. And they wanted to do the right thing, but they needed somebody to talk it out. And that's what a coach does is they help people talk through things and figure out what's going to work from them. Uh, much like old-time family members used to do when, when families were closer knit in together. Mm-hmm. And just ordinary couples like you and me or like Mert and my mom, they can be trained to help people solve their own problems. You don't have to have any great counseling skills. You can be trained to talk and coach someone else. So I'm just thinking, just like you and I, Ellen, there may be people out there listening to us today who really want to help other couples keep their relationship together. And so they can get a hold of us at marriageteam.org. Again, that's marriageteam.org. Do you have the telephone number? I do. Mm -hmm. It's 360-450-6042. We're going to take a break now, and when we come back, we're going to be uh, talking more about the uh, challenges and some of the funny stories that uh, Mom and Mert had. Back to the marriage coaches who can help you achieve a winning marriage team. It's coaches Al and Autumn Ray on KPAM 860. Welcome back after break. I'm here, Coach Autumn, and with Coach Al today, we have two very special guests in the studio with us couple people who have been have 119 years of marriage experience between them. We have Mert, um, my uh, stepdad, second marriage for my mom, and Mert and his first wife, Doris, were married for 56 years. My mom's name is Mary Lois, and she was married to my dad, Jim, for 57 years. And the two of them, Mert and Mary Lois, have been married for six years. We added that up, and we get 119 years of happily married experience to share with you today. So we're pretty excited about that. So Mert and my mom had shared the way they grew up during the Depression, and Mert was in the Navy and um, making a go of it with very little income and how they did that, which I thought was pretty interesting. They didn't have a lot of wants. They were able to fulfill their needs, but not a lot of wants. Now, do you see some similarities and maybe what's going on in today's economic level? 
economic situation? You know, what what's the difference, do you think, between uh, people who got married right after the war and people who are in that situation now? Maybe it is the difference between our wants and our desires and why we can't uh, live within a budget. So and, we're going to continue. And you, and you know, your mom said that, you know, that people were just glad to be alive and back in peace. And uh, when you, you know, when you get right down to basics, uh, that's the basics. And if your expectations aren't that high, it makes it really easy to to live within your means or a lot easier, not really easy, but a lot easier. Yeah. So it's a kind of a good lesson for all of us. Even me, as I listen to them, think about, hmm, let's take a look at my expectations. You know, do I need to tone them down a little bit? Right. Well, we've heard some serious things. You both agree on that. Yes, we do. (laughs) And some challenges that they faced and how they overcame them. And then when we were talking about this, getting ready for the show, we asked them, do you have any funny stories you'd like to share with us? Because I'm sure if you've been married 56, 57 years, some funny things go on. Hey, Mom, what are some funny things you remember about my, my dad and you? Well, there were quite a few because we did have a wonderful sense of humor and mine was better than his, I have to admit. But all of my children have marvelous senses of humor. However, they weren't with me on this occasion. On an early Saturday morning, we happened to live on Lake St. Clair in Michigan, a little strip between uh, Lake Erie and Lake Huron. And my husband uh, was quite a boater as, well, actually both men were boaters. My husband with, uh, first husband with uh, electric motors and uh, my present husband with sailboats. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all went up and down the Great Lakes. However, this one Saturday morning, Jim wanted to go fishing and I needed the car. So I didn't want him to leave it parked over there in the parking lot where we um, put the car in at the launch. So I drove over with him, his lunch, and all the fishing gear, and the kids were at home. They were probably in their early teens. And I backed the car down into the water on the boat launch, of course, and he was standing on the tongue of the trailer as I backed it down. And that always made me nervous anyhow, but he handled it well. And as I lowered the boat into the water, the trailer, of course, had the boat on it, And the motor was up and ready to go so it wouldn't bang into anything when it went down the launch. But the problem was that I didn't understand the communication that he gave me as I'm backing down. I thought he said, okay, which I assumed to mean, get out of the way, the boat is in the water. Well, it was in the water very shortly and unexpectedly to him because naturally I applied the accelerator and got that car moving, and the boat moved the opposite direction, and my husband is flying head over heels to land in the boat. (laughs) Much to his dismay, he then found he was in a big puddle of water because he had forgotten to put the stopper in the bottom of the boat. (laughs) And so I'm driving the car up the ramp, and I hear somebody screaming, and I stop a dead stop and look out the mirror, the rear mirror, and oh my goodness, I couldn't get away from that place fast enough. <laughs> you left the, him floundering in the boat. That's right. He had a wonderful day fishing as soon as he yeah. got his senses together and put that plug in and quit trying to drown. Oh, you, that reminds me of so yeah, much. Well, just a second, Mert, here. So he survived the <laughs> so Navy much. and the Pacific, and, he, and he, the first boat he lost almost was his own boat in Lake St. Clair. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Go ahead, Mert. Oh, well, we had a sailboat on uh, Lake Huron, which is a very large and very nasty lake. And we'd been in Canada, which is 55 miles from Port Sanilac, 
uh, we got up in the morning, had to get back to work. That's another problem, a curse, having to get back to work. <laughs> and after we got out of the harbor, I knew we shouldn't have done it. Uh, shouldn't have done this particular thing. And so I became very ill, and she handled the tiller, and we were able to get the jib up. And 10 hours later, we saw the Michigan coast, and I recovered. She found me a loaf of bread down below, and that sort of calmed my illness down. We got to Michigan, and I said to her, would you like to do that again? <laughs> and she said, well, not for a while. <laughs> very, very rough. And, I always get a kick out of Navy men who get seasick. <laughs> oh, I hold the world's record for being seasick. But I get over it. It, it's, it seems like your brother had the same problem. In any event, well, those are those are some good stories. Uh, you'd shared a story about uh, butterflies, Mert. Is that? Oh, 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 that's a terrible story. <laughs> One of my five boys was an avid butterfly pursuer. And we decided, we lived in Wisconsin at the time, and we decided to go up north to uh, a particular place we'd been before, and it was it's very remote. And he wanted to bring his butterfly net, and I told him, oh, no, no. There will be no butterflies up there. We get to the valley nearby. Guess what? Full of butterflies. <laughs> I've never lived that down. Not to this day. <laughs> no. You know, the reward of lifelong marriage is these fond memories of happy times and even challenges. Uh, but you really have a sense of accomplishment uh, that you face those challenges together and overcome them. And I think that's kind of what the theme of today's program is, is so that people can hear about the satisfaction of living long, lifelong marriages that it brings to both of you. You know, and there isn't there isn't a marriage around that, that doesn't have problems and issues. No. And, you know, as Autumn and I were, we, we actually started to write a book, and uh, it's going to be com- it's going to be coming out in November. And uh, it's it talks about Rick and Jane and communications. But in any event, um, as we thought about a dedication for the book, uh, we realized, or as I thought about it, I realized that our parent, my parents as well as Autumn's folks, had had a lifelong marriage. And at the time that we were married, yeah, I didn't think too much of it. But uh, what I realized after we got into coaching and we started talking about playbooks, um, our playbooks didn't have a divorce card in it. So consequently, it, even when we were struggling with whatever issue we were struggling with, that wasn't something that came to us because uh, we had never seen it in our own in our own lives. I mean, we both knew it was out there, but it wasn't something that we were uh, intimately familiar with from an experience. And that was, um, as we say in that dedication, that was a real gift um, that at the time we didn't even realize was a real gift. So lifelong marriage has a lot of uh, blessings and a lot of benefits that uh, sometimes uh, go below the surface. I think there's one other thing, sense of humor. Yes. Boy, that's for sure, too. It certainly helps when you can uh, laugh at yourself and uh, the situation and and uh, look to the things that really bring joy in a, in a life, in a marriage, in a relationship. Uh, very important. Well, we're going to be taking a break now. And when we come back, we will be uh, finishing up the story here and hearing about some advice and uh, tidbits for all of us to consider in our own marriages and relationships. 
for your marriage is right here with coaches Alan Autumn Ray, the marriage team on KPAM 860. Welcome back to Marriage Team. I'm Coach Alan. I'm here with uh, my wife, Coach Autumn, and our special guest today, which is my mother-in-law, Mary Lewis, and uh, Mert Jacobs, um, my stepfather-in-law, I guess. And uh, they've been visiting us, and they're joining us with this show and sharing with you. And we've talked about their lives uh, with their first spouses, they are both widows or widower and widow, a widow and a widower, and uh, and they've been married now for six years, and they've been sharing about their 119 years of marriage experience. We have talked about some of the challenges they faced, as well as some of the funny incidents that happened uh, in their relationship that they that they've looked back on. And as we're getting ready to, for this final segment, uh, we just wanted to focus in on and talk a little bit about. Um, the 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 um things that have brought the greatest joy to uh you mom and mert as you look back on those years of married life what what might they be well the nicest and most comforting thing for me is i've always felt loved in both my marriages and with my present marriage i it was the pleasure of being totally accepted by my five blended boys mm-hmm and their wives, and now that we have blended the family together, we certainly enjoy all 19 grandchildren and 10 great-grands, boys and girls, under the age of nine. Wow, that's quite a extended family that uh, that you have there. And I know, I know that you do a lot of travel to see them, because, I mean, you come all the way from Alabama out here, and you travel to see uh, Mert's family as well. Um, you know, what a what a blessing and an opportunity uh, for that. Uh, Mert, what would you say are is your greatest joy as you remember uh, your married life? Well, I my greatest joy was the consistency. I never had to suspect there was any strange relationship. Or other, that, other than yours, right? <laughs> I mean, mine was strange enough. That's right. That's off the wall. But... Uh, the continued years of kindness and attention, and I had a few, a few periods of uh, after I lost my wife, living alone, and I do not like it. Yeah, yeah, that's tough, uh, I, especially after such a long-term relationship so, of having a partner. I, I made a mistake, and I, I think perhaps I should recommend that husbands know what the financial situation of the family is. I had to go to the bank and ask them what I had in the bank. I didn't know. I It was so comfortable to have her do everything, and she did it so efficiently and well. So I, I would uh, recommend that husbands uh, pay attention to financial things right. and act responsibly. Right. And it sounds like, though, that was a certain a certain joy. I mean, it allowed you to focus on your work when you were working at uh, General Motors and Indeed. and take care of things uh, there. Um, it sounds like good teamwork to me. It sounds like they learned the strengths of the partners on the team, and each one of them uh, did what they had strengths in those areas. Yeah. So that was great. But that was good advice, too, because you never know. Uh, when you're going to have to have that information uh, about where all your insurance is and that type of thing, Mert. So Amen. thanks for sharing that with us. Right. 
So if you were going to give any advice uh, to couples uh, based on all that experience, uh, what kind of advice uh, uh, might you give? Uh, Mom, what would, what would your advice be? Well, the golden rule has always worked for me. Treat your spouse as you would like to be treated. It comes back double fold. Boy, that's the truth. Uh, you know, it, it, the uh, you know Proverbs say a, a harsh word stirs up wrath. And True. Uh, when I think about just in our own relationship, when, when you're mad and angry, uh, it's it's real hard for somebody else to be really nice. But when you're nice, it's, it makes it a whole lot easier. So, and um, it's so easy to say I love you every day. It is good advice. Yep. And uh, sharing that affirmation is really important. And uh, I mean, I think back to that example that you gave, Mert, where you encouraged uh, Doris to go to school, to go back to school. And that really built up her esteem and took away the worries that she was focused on. I mean, that was hugely helpful and ended up giving her years of teaching enjoyment um, as a teacher. So Words of affirmation and encouragement are really important in a relationship. Yeah, both, and, both of those examples that were just given, treat your spouse as you would like to be treated, and how Mert you know, supported his wife going back to school. Just this week, I was talking to somebody um, who was having some problems in the relationship, and the biggest issue was they felt that their spouse put them down and didn't build them up, and they didn't feel valued or um, important to the spouse so that is such an important thing. And look at here, these, this couple that has 119 years of marriage experience between them has named that exact thing for yeah. us here. Yeah, they named it and nailed it. Yeah. I mean, that is that is so important. Because when you think about it, who do you like to be around? Who who <laughs> do you seek out? You seek out pe- people who encourage you and are upbeat. And if you can be that teammate for your spouse... Um, it makes it so much easier for them to be that teammate for you. So uh, great advice, Mom. Well, and ladies should smile, too, because it does keep those wrinkles away. The more you smile, (laughs) the happier the whole family is. Yeah, Autumn has a saying, when when Mom ain't happy, ain't no one happy. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Well, Mert, I think, had some advice. As well, right? I would say uh, be kind and gentle. Never loud and uh, avoid habits that uh, get you into all kinds of trouble. Excessive use of alcohol. It's my wife and I uh, have stayed away, and Mary Lois and I are not not uh, users. But I have seen so many cases of uh, marriages being broken apart by by that. And don't be afraid of affection. Affection is very, very important. The touch of the hand, the uh, the kiss. The happy hello when you walk in the door. The happy hello, right, <laughs> rather than, what happened to me today? <laughs> Guess what? You know, you know, Mark, that is just, that is so true. And those things that you just mentioned are so easy to do. I mean, we all have it in our within our ability to be able to say an encouraging word, uh, to smile at somebody, Mom, like you mentioned, to smile, to just be um, the kind of person that we want people to be in our life. And it's a choice that we make every day, whether or not we're going to be that upbeat person or whether or not we're going to choose to focus on the negative things that have been happening in our life. And that's not to minimize sharing those things, but it's a matter of sharing or dwelling on them. And uh, 
you know, that's just very powerful advice to... Uh, you know, that's a great challenge, actually, for our listeners, to if those married listeners. Think about one thing, just one thing that you could compliment or um, affirm your teammate on even today. Just think of one thing, even while you're on the radio listening, just one thing, and then do it. And don't do it one time. Don't do it two times. Make it a habit. Make it a habit to continue to compliment and continue to affirm that person. That is that is so powerful, and it's it's the we call it actually a one thing exercise in coaching. Mm-hmm. One thing that you're going to do differently, and do it for a week, and see what kind of difference it makes. And we hear it all the time from couples that we work with that those one things can make a huge difference. Uh, the one thing with an impact. We really want to thank uh, my mom and Mert for being with us today and sharing their insights of 119 years of marriage experience. Right. And you've been listening to Marriage Team. And if you're interested in becoming a coach, you can give us a call at 360-450-6042 or look us up on the website at marriageteam.org. Have a winning marriage this week. <music>